You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. New rules for face coverings come into force in England, but don't apply to the Houses of Parliament, where it's apparently completely fine to continue to spew toxic bullshit without any kind of filter. Labour pays out six-figure damages to anti-Semitism whistleblowers, and prepares to give a gold medal for missing the point to the first MP who suggests that money was all they ever cared about. Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez refuses to accept the pathetic non-apology of a Republican colleague who aggressively confronted her in public and called her a fucking bitch, which is unbelievably rude of her. And finally, Boris Johnson poses with a fisherman's catch on a PR trip to Orkney, which did nothing to surprise Carrie Simmons, who says he nearly always comes back with crabs after a night away. Hello and welcome to another episode of IC News. Take a seat in the gallery and start huffing your laudanum. We've dredged the bloated corpse of the week's events out of the river and now we're going to dissect it for your listening pleasure. This isn't your Nan's cable news network. This is the lean, mean, sprinting machine of current affairs, covering every dimension from here to literally anywhere else in reality. We'll be sending our correspondence through the multiverse a little later on, but for now, gather round, kids. After months of waiting, the biscuits have been nibbled, the sherry's been drunk, and there's a steaming great turd under the tree. That's right, Santa's finally come and delivered us the Russia report. And what do you know, our present is the knowledge that the last three Conservative Prime Ministers have done absolutely nothing to safeguard the integrity of our democracy. This week once again saw some positively testy exchanges across the dispatch box at Prime Minister's questions, as the Tories were challenged and outright refused to investigate whether Russian interference had influenced the result of the Brexit referendum. Instead, we were treated to the government's defence of a sort of bizarre Schrodinger's policy with regard to Russia, where they reassured us that they were taking the strongest possible action against the very threat they were refusing to investigate. Once again, the Prime Minister retreated to his favourite defence of any criticism, which is that all this pesky talk about Russia from the opposition was simply yet another attempt to derail Brexit. At this point, Johnson, Cummings and Aaron Banks could be caught on camera using their dicks to feed kittens into a mincer, and you're just trying to bash Brexit would still somehow serve to keep them out of trouble. In a week when Parliament voted against safeguarding the NHS from any future American trade deal, you can guarantee we're going to be hearing it a lot in the months to come. As the evidence once again suggests that the Russian government continues to use the internet and social media to destabilise its political opponents in the West, it's important to remember that there are two sides to every story. With that in mind, we now go to our newest correspondent, who's definitely completely impartial, on the ground in St. Petersburg. Mother Russia! She is big, beautiful place, full of all kinds of people, except gays. Unfortunately, she is also a big target for British politicians at the moment, 
and I'm here today to challenge some of the unpleasant speculation being made about my country by your ISC over in the UK. The Intelligence and Securities Committee? Pah, please, you would not know intelligence if it threw you out of fifth-story window for blowing whistle. You've got Russia all wrong, and we won't stand for your false accusations. They are mean and they hurt our feelings. For a start, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Alexander Notabot. I am everyday normal Russian man and definitely not member of secret police. I like pop music, architecture of 16th century British cathedrals and long walks across border into Ukraine territory. I am journalist and member of world famous and definitely not state controlled Russian media. Now that I have successfully established credentials, let's drill down into the meat and beetroot of these unpleasant allegations. On Tuesday, UK made public a long delayed report into the way my country has sought to influence British politics. Now a lot of you were clearly sitting with fingers crossed, hoping it would turn out that your, how you say, big shit Brexit mess was all mean old Russia's fault. Yet, turns out, the best you could do was admit you weren't even watching us. Now, I don't know how courts work in great free democracy of the UK, but here in Russia, no evidence means no trial. Corruption and electoral fraud, also no trial, but that's beside point. The point is, your ISC tried to blame shitty bed on Russian dog, even when Britain is wearing brown trousers. The suggestion that great and glorious leader Vladimir Putin has any interest in internal politics of the United Kingdom is deeply offensive to us here in Russia. We trust Putin implicitly, which is why we vote him back into rule until 2036, hours before polls even close. You will be reading nonsense about pandemic and approval ratings, but as everyday Russian man and, I repeat, definitely not member of secret police, I can tell you this is all propaganda. Russia is much more open and welcoming country than hostile Western press would have you believe, unless you are a gay or lesbian lady type. Cannot stress enough, do not come here if one of those. Just FYI ski. It is in that spirit of openness and in hope of building UK relations the way we have built American ones by putting orange man in pocket that I am here today to dispel big Russian myth. Talk is cheaper than seat in House of Lords. In Russia, we show you with actions. This is St. Petersburg. And big building here is home of Internet Research Agency, or IRA for short. It is very innocent name for very innocent project. And the idea that IRA would want to break up British Union, you will soon see is a very silly idea. I'm sick of paying for the Scottish anyway. They can have their independence, the skirt-wearing haggis munchers. The Last of Us Part 2 was disgusting feminazi propaganda. I can't believe the way they treated Ellie. Labour are a bunch of Marxist scumbags, and yeah, I know 50,000 people are dead, but Jeremy Corbyn's a fucking vegetarian. As you can hear, this is not some sinister enterprise, working to engineer narrative or fanfire of culture war and subvert democracy. This is new frontier in great Russian networking initiative. Here, men and women of Russia are reaching out across all divides, making new friends around the world and learning about Western culture. To untrained ear, it might sound like evidence everything you fear is happening, without fear of consequence and out in the open. It might even seem I am showing you this to rub face in dirt, but opposite is true. 
The face of the West is already, how you say, dirty as the fuck. Most of Troll Farm here is simply telling you things you are already very quick to believe. You want scary Russian bogeyman to blame for all of anger and hatred. Fact is, we are only poking bear to make him dance. It is not our fault if dance you like so much is... Um, horrible Macarena, where you tear each other apart. Not going to lie, we're going to carry on doing it. Facebook and Twitter like our rubles too much. And your politicians are very easy to buy too. After all, they want to be like us, which is why London property market is great big washing machine for dirty Russian money. Autocracy is not so bad once you get used to it, I promise. And if you don't get used to it, it's fifth story window for you. You can have big rethink on way down. I am Sergey. Uh, uh, sorry, I am a real journalist, Alexander Notabot, reporting for IC News. From one autocracy helmed by a wannabe strongman with no idea how to handle a global health crisis to another, this week saw some genuinely disturbing developments in the way the Trump administration is responding to continuing protests over in the States. As it's somewhat of a tinderbox situation, better to send a correspondent you don't mind getting scorched, which is why this week we've granted use of the dimensional gate to the perpetually dispensable Rob Mulholland. Thanks, Sam. I'm Rob15, and I'm here today in the US city of Portland, on a parallel world where the written word of the Constitution actually means something. This is Earth November Lima Golf Forever 14, but I'll come back to that later on. For now, let's have a quick look at some of the shady shit that's been unfolding over in the States back home on Earth Prime. Now, it's absolutely no secret that President Trump has been handling the pandemic in the same way he handles his daughter's vagina. He can't actually get any kind of grip on it, and that makes him very cross. This week, he said the whole situation was going to get worse before it got better. He was basically throwing his tiny hands up and admitting he'd given up on the whole mess, which is hardly surprising given that it's dragged on for months and Trump typically has the attention span of a three-year-old on a cocaine binge. America is currently recording tens of thousands of new cases every single day and it looks like deaths from COVID-19 are starting to climb again. Set that against a stalling economy and an entire country rocked by national protests following the death of George Floyd, and you've got yourself a real mountain to climb to get re-elected as president this November. Trump is acutely aware of that. In fact, his free-falling poll numbers seem to be about the only thing he currently gives much of a shit about, which is why he's pivoted to a campaign strategy that plays to his base. Despite overseeing an administration with more disturbing horror at its heart than the porn folder on Roger Stone's laptop labelled Nixon Deepfakes, Trump is positioning himself as the law and order candidate. He desperately wants to be seen as the strongman who can quell the violence of a national protest movement that's been tearing America's Democrat-ran cities apart. It doesn't matter that the vast majority of the protests are still peaceful or that the concerns about violent tactics and the militarization of the police are completely legitimate. All that matters is that Trump wants Republican voters to think America is burning, and he's the only man who can put it out. 
Last week saw unidentified federal police in camouflage gear and unmarked cars grabbing protesters and members of the media off the streets in Portland, and the silence from the conservative media was fucking deafening. America is now a country where wearing a face mask in public is considered by some to be the height of tyranny, but literal abductions by the secret police is just owning the libs. The right to protest and peaceful assembly was thrown into the back of a blacked out van despite the protestations of Portland's democratic leaders who were quick to call out what they saw as total overreach of the federal authorities. This is Trump's game plan for November, and he's now announced that the federal government is set to intervene in more democratic states and cities, citing concerns over rising violence. The party of don't tread on me states rights enthusiasts is now watching their president turn the Department of Homeland Security into his own personal goon squad. The problem, funnily enough, is that protests that have been sparked by police violence aren't exactly likely to be quietened down by more police violence. Portland itself is now seeing more protesters back out on the streets, and that's without the very real and horrifying prospect that far-right imposters could potentially buy their own camouflage gear in order to infiltrate and attack the protests. That's the problem with unmarked officers. They could be literally anyone, and any protester confronted by them is going to fear as much and respond very differently. Thankfully, on this version of Earth, the Second Amendment actually means something. That's why the NRA are out here in Portland, rather than hiding in their holes and refusing to speak up for the right to protest like they are on Earth Prime. This group of... um. Very white men are open carrying their AR-15s in support of the First Amendment right to peaceful assembly. That's right. This is America, and we are all free to make our voices heard. Now this is what a well-armed militia is actually supposed to do. Exist to confront the tyranny of the state and come out in support of the oppressed. Huh? We're not here to support the protests, son. What? We're here to frighten black people and keep America free from the tyranny of the violent left. Oh, for fuck's sake. Can't you see that the secret police kidnapping people off the street isn't exactly freedom? That's starting to sound an awful lot like commie talk, son. You need to watch your mouth. You know what? It's absolutely not worth dying for. There's literally no point trying to teach you people what fascism actually looks like. I'm just going to leave you to it and head home. I'm Rob15, reporting for ICE. Sorry, finger slipped. Honestly, the violence in this city is out of control. Now, if the collapse of the integrity of Western democracy is feeling a bit heavy for you this week, you can rely on us to lighten the load for you with a bit of good news every now and then. For months here in the UK on Earth Prime, the British public has been rallying around its health service and key workers and voicing its support for all their hard work in the face of the pandemic. This week, the British government decided it was time to step up and demonstrate its own particular brand of gratitude. Here's Tom King with The Breakdown. Sector pay rise week! Ah, you get a barely above inflation pay rise that does nothing to compensate for losses incurred by years of freezes. You get a barely above
bomb inflation pay rise that does nothing, nothing to compensate for losses incurred by years of freezes. You get a barely above inflation pay rise that does nothing to compensate for losses incurred by, you guessed it, years of freezers. Excuse me, I'm a nurse. Do I get anything? No! <laughs> Go and fuck yourself! That's right, this week the government announced a £2 billion pay bonanza to reward over 900,000 public sector workers for their efforts during the coronavirus crisis. It's above inflation, which is a technical term that basically means it's actually a pay increase rather than an active taking of the piss. Like the public sector has had to endure for the last few years of austerity. This was Boris Johnson's big plan to grab back some headlines from the Russia report. And just like all things Tory, once you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's all a bit of a joke. We can probably put aside the fact that the proposed increases are paltry when compared to those announced in places like France. Here in Britain, the overworked and underpaid are never going to protest like the French, meaning that they'll never be rewarded accordingly. You try and take one day of sick leave off of a Frenchman and he'll don a high-vis jacket and burn down the fucking Louvre. Here, Rishi Sunak could steal our pensions at gunpoint and half the country would probably thank him and offer him a cup of tea. Instead of worrying about that, though, let's focus on the real scandal of this announcement. It's about as far from the Tories' stated aim of finally acknowledging the value of the skills and commitment of so many of our frontline workers as you can get. It's the policy equivalent of banging your pots and pans at the end of the street at 8pm on a Thursday. It's a load of noise seeking to demonstrate that you mean well, but noise is all it is. Not only does this pay increase completely fail to acknowledge nurses, social care workers, refuse collectors, teaching assistants and thousands of others, it's also not being funded through extra investment. Schools, hospitals and police forces are going to have to make savings in order to pay them out of their existing budgets, which essentially means potential cuts and reductions in service. Add to that the fact that all of these services are already paying out in order to adapt to the pandemic and it gets hard to see exactly what there is to be grateful for. When we applauded our key workers and said they deserve recognition, I'm not sure that crippling their workplace budgets and actively making their working lives more difficult was what a lot of us had in mind. This pay increase is basically sleight of hand. The Tories are pretending theirs is the one that feeds the public sector, but they've nicked their generous bounty from the staff canteen. And here's the rub. Any grumble about the actual on-the-ground reality of what this pay increase means for our public sector is going to be hard to stomach for thousands of people facing total uncertainty in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Britain is currently shedding jobs up and down the country. Career security, let alone a pay increase, may well become the exception rather than the norm. Arguments about the greedy and lazy public sector showing no gratitude is one that's played out on have-your-say comment sections more often than friends repeats on daytime telly. We cannot allow that argument to become the one that defines the way our economy emerges from this crisis. The us and them narrative actively helps a government that seeks to avoid accountability for the way wage growth in both the private and public sectors may stagnate moving forwards. We didn't just clap for nurses, carers and teachers. We clapped for supermarket workers and delivery drivers and everyone else who actually kept the country going. We should all be fucking livid that this miserable deal, one that will actively suck money out of the public budgets that are already cracking, even as they try and keep our society alive, is their first indication of how all of us can expect to be thanked moving forwards. 
We shouldn't be banging pans anymore. We should be banging heads and burning down the fucking Louvre. I'm Tom King, reporting for IC News. Now this is why we can't have nice things. Honestly, if Britain can't even be grateful for the petrol forecourt daffodils the Tories offer up after several years of slapping us around, we don't even deserve the half-eaten box of chocolates they're going to love bombers with when we crash out of the EU without a trade agreement. Tom's report brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. President Trump wishes the former confidant of billionaire paedophile Jeffrey Epstein well in a TV interview, which is a bit like getting a get well soon card from your own murderer. The US and UK jointly accuse Russia of testing an illegal satellite weapon, and if you're checking your 2020 bingo card, Russian space lasers is just above murder hornets and to the left of racist Sharknado tsunami. The Prime Minister is set to launch a new initiative to tackle British obesity, despite his entire cabinet consisting of useless and dangerous dead weight. And finally, the Ukrainian president endorses a Joaquin Phoenix film as part of a gunman's demands to end a hostage crisis peacefully. Which is ironic, because I've seen Ladder 49, and I'd rather shoot myself in the head than ever sit through that shit again. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, can we reach more people, and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.